0: have a new Key 3 star chef for you. Now, the Key 3 is our ongoing project. We take you into the kitchens of the best cooks we know for a hands-on cooking lesson. We get each one to reveal the three key recipes they think everyone should know. Well, we headed to New York to meet with the many-starred French chef, Danielle Belou. His restaurants span two continents, but we met at his first and most famous, restaurant Danielle. He practically bounded out to say hello, giving us big kisses on both cheeks. Danielle is fit. He moves fast. And if kitchens didn't exist, you could see him doing the Tour de France. But his restaurant is brilliantly conceived. You come into a grand, dimly lit lounge and bar. It's all cool greens and blues. And then your table is announced. The double doors open to the dining room. And you're walking into Mediterranean sunlight. All glowing creams and apricot tones. You know you're never gonna wanna leave this place. But Danielle took us a step further through the kitchen doors. Now you're in Zenland cool green glass tiles, stainless steel, immaculate stovetops, and set up in a corner is a blender, some vegetables, and a few eggs. Danielle, thanks for having us.
1: Thank you, Lynn. I'm so excited to be cooking for you today.
0: Well, it's great being in this kitchen, I must say. Yes, and you're
1: lucky because normally there's about 30 chefs working here at night, so we have the kitchen for ourselves. We are not open for lunch at Danielle. We're only open for dinner.
0: So we can just hang out here and cook together if we want to. Just for ourselves. Okay. All right. Uh, We asked you to pick the key three recipes that you feel other cooks should know. So what are they?
1: Well, uh, the key three dishes today, it's the braised beef, a, it's a chicken steak braised in red wine with root vegetable, an apple tart from Lyon, where I was an apprentice and I learned there. And we are doing an aioli with vegetable and seafood.
0: All right, so we essentially have a delicious French pot roast. Voilà, right? pot
1: roast, <laughs> pot roast, apple tart, and to start, we go to Provence and start with this beautiful array of vegetables and cod and shrimps and in, that's a, in the, a garlic sauce.
0: And that's the...
1: Aioli.
0: Aioli. I've always had trouble with that word. So this is a dish from the south of France, right?
1: Yes. What is the aioli? The aioli is basically a very fluffy mayo with a garlic pungent flavor and olive oil inside so it's a and a little bit of spice. A it's, a it's a homemade mayonnaise. mayonnaise, mayonnaise. Right. But there's a trick to that.
0: So you're going to show us the trick? Yes. Okay, so we've got a blender set up here. Yes, yeah. we
1: have, I have a blender and to do the um, aioli, you can do it by hand but it's better to do it in a blender. And so the, I'm using eggs and in the eggs I am taking one egg, which I will poach in boiling water, a little bit in a little bit of water. So I'm taking the eggs I'm. I have um, about one quart of water with about a tablespoon of uh, white vinegar. And Why will, the vinegar? Oh, just to coagulate the egg white a little bit tighter around the... So the that yokes. it
0: doesn't spread it, it just helps it come
1: together exactly. so it's neat. Neat and tidy. It's not as important, uh, beautiful, you egg white. Uh, you, you, the egg white is... Talk, but I mean, you want the eggs to be together, but we're going to blend that eggs. Ah. And so, why, why
0: do you poach the egg? You're making a mayonnaise. Why do you poach the egg for the mayonnaise?
1: Because I think by cooking the egg white and by leaving the egg yolk half cooked, plus adding up another two egg yolks to it, I'm going to get a very... Silky, fluffy, light, and, and, and maybe a little bit more homogenous ah. mayonnaise. And it's maybe also the risk-free broken mayo.
0: <laughs> oh, so it won't break. It won't separate.
1: It won't, it won't break. It won't separate. And you can also add a little bit more water to it, which will even make it more fluffy.
0: I see. That's In, a great a new trick. Mayo. Yeah. Because homemade mayonnaise can often separate. Yes. And, and then
1: you have a problem. And so I am just... Okay. Pulling up with a with a ch- ch- strainer right. and, and, and and placing that in the blender. Then to the blender, I'm gonna add two more um, egg yolks.
0: Okay. So you're cracking the eggs. All right. Yes.
1: Separating.
0: Leaving the whites behind. So two more yolks go like, in. So
1: now now we are going to sort of a basic mayo. Process, but again, because it's an aioli, there is a little trick to that mayo, <laughs> and that is and that is, and I'm putting garlic. So here inside, after my poached eggs and my two egg yolks, I'm adding three clove of garlic, who has been split. In case you have a um, a little vein with the uh, oh, with the, the germ, green
0: germ that yeah, the green, green germ has been removed,
1: yes. and the clove of garlic. Was cooked in water until uh, in in two water. Basically, we poach it until tender.
0: Yes. Why two uh, water? You mean because we poach it
1: first for two minutes, and then after I change the water and I poach it again until it's tender. So this way it's a little bit less pungent, and it make it like sweet garlic. So I have the sweet clove of garlic inside the blender, which is cooked almost tender, and I am putting one clove of raw garlic who uh, split and remove the germ as now well. Now, why
0: are you taking the germ out?
1: Oh, because that one time, you know, I worked in France for a chef called. I didn't work with him directly, but I heard his comment and the germ of garlic was giving a very vulgar taste. The dish, (laughs) and that means and the germ is bitter, and the germ is so. And we
0: would never want to have a vulgar dish. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, what is going in now?
1: Uh, Now I'm putting tablespoon of mustard. So I'm putting about two large tablespoon of mustard.
0: Really nice tablespoons of mustard, Danielle.
1: Voilà. Beautiful mustard. And of course, Dijon. It's a Dijon, spicy Dijon. Right. I'm putting also a little bit of espelette paper, who mm. is that paper from, be careful, it's spicy.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It's a little bit, it's, it's, a, mm. it's a hot paper from the Pays Basque, espelette the little Basque village. area between yes. Spain
0: and France. But you could so use other, other chili peppers that you have.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: And salt has just gone in.
1: So now I'm blending the eggs and garlic gently.
0: This is really a very easy thing to do. That's the And other I'm thing.
1: starting to add the olive oil. Uh, so the olive oil, you just pour it gently while things are blending.
0: That's about, what, a half a cup or so of olive oil?
1: Uh, about, yeah. Absolutely. We are using... I mean, it's, again, if you love olive oil, uh, but I try to Uh, Make it a little lighter, so this way... Olive oil can get a little heavy on this dish.
0: So you wouldn't do this completely with olive oil? I
1: mix with canola as well. So it's about, I would say, one-third olive oil, two-thirds canola. Okay. But you can... And as you are blending, it gets a little thicker. And I'm adding also a little bit of speed. So you can always add a little tablespoon of water to it as well.
0: And the water is what a lot helps the emulsion
1: th- of the eggs and the oil. The absorption and, um, of the yeah. oil. Absolutely.
0: That's a, another trick to know.
1: It has more or less um, the texture of a fluffy mayo.
0: Oh my. May I? May we? We're just. We're just sort of dipping our fingers off of the spoon. Oh, so, the garlic comes through, but it's gentle. Yes. And it is It is so silky. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's delicious.
1: So when you uh, serve this in Provence, you have two way of serving it. You can serve it with vegetable who has been in salted water. Right. And then you can also serve all the crudite you want. All if the you raw want, vegetables. Exactly. And if you want your carrot to be raw, you can serve them raw if you want them cooked, you like them cooked. And we always put also up boiled eggs. And uh, here also today I found some mussel. So I have some cooked mussel, I have the cooked shrimps, and the cooked cod. This just looks gorgeous. What I love for me, I mean, in that dish is then you take your fork and you dip it into the little bit of aioli. And every time you pick up a little bit of sauce, the aioli, and you just, it, it, it just give this wonderful sensation of uh, very refreshing, very Provencal, very al fresco, outdoor, ah. I mean, you know, spring, <laughs> summer. Here we are in Provence.
0: Danielle, <laughs> thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Danielle, we've just feasted on the aioli. And now I want to talk to you about the other two recipes of your key three.
1: Yes. And uh, the other two, one of them is a pot roast. But uh, I'm doing it in a Burgundian style. I'm from Lyon, near Burgundy. And uh, we serve that dish at Barbeauleux on the west side, 64 Uh and Broadway. And the dish basically, first, it takes red wine, a good red wine. So we are using uh, uh, a Pinot Noir for that. Uh-huh. And what I do before I marinate the meat, uh, any, any braised beef in red wine, what I do is I reduce the wine by half. Ah. And I cook the wine gently, slowly, and reduce it by half. Then I marinate my meat with that.
0: Why so, do you reduce the wine?
1: Because there's a better concentration of flavor of wine around the meat. And uh, then I overnight, or even two days is no problem. But overnight it's enough. Uh, you place the roast. So this one we are talking about chicken roast, who is uh, basically a piece of meat with about five, four to four pound, five pound about, right. Five pound, and it comes from the shoulder blade, and it has a muscle going through. And it's a very lean, actually a very lean piece of beef, and it's long, so it's easy to cut, slice through it mm-hmm. after it's cooked, and uh, so we marinate that overnight, and with some mirepoix uh, of vegetables, onion, carrots, celery, garlic, bouquet garni, and the next day, drain it, pat dry, roasted, add that marinated red wine.
0: And all the minced, chopped vegetables. And the
1: vegetable, and a little bit of beef stock, and braise it for, we braise it for about six, seven hours, very gently. We bring it to a boil and braise it very gently. So it's the kind of roast you put in the oven, go to the movie, come back, (laughs) dinner is ready. And it's
0: bubbling very, very, (laughs) very, very slowly, right, right.
1: And after that roast, we take the roast off, reduce the sauce to the proper... Flavor to the proper thickness.
0: What is the proper
1: flavor and the proper thickness? Uh, I think is to have the right proportion for the roast, where you can always finish your sauce with a little bit of arrowroot or a little bit of cornstarch in case you feel that your sauce is a little too liquid. Right. But usually, um, when uh, if you have a good uh, beef stock made ahead. Uh, the the roast take uh, a fairly um, a fairly nice thickness to it, right? And uh, you, but you, you can also flavor. use flour when you start the roast. When you roast the roast, you can flour it a little bit as well,
0: and that'll give it the thickness. Uh, you want. A little
1: bit of thickness.
0: Are you looking? What flavor are you? Lo- do you reduce down that juice? For f- if needed, yeah, absolutely. To get a, an intense absolutely. flavor, absolutely.
1: But usually, uh, basically, your sauce is gonna go down by at least it's going to reduce to a fifth of what you started with. Ah. So you get a nice concentrated sauce with that. And the vegetable, the root vegetable, you can serve all kinds of root vegetable, carrots, celery, rutabaga, salsify, or uh, turnips also with it. And those those vegetables can be chunky, big. They can cook with the roast if you want to leave them whole or peeled and whole or you can cook them separately if you want that. to have a little fresher roasted flavor. So this is really a hearty winter... Hearty winter dish. You can also do that very simply with a carrot puree, for example. You know, you poach your carrots and crush them with a little bit of milk and butter and uh, a little bit of sage inside or something. I'm, getting,
0: just, I, I'm going crazy here, getting hungry. But all right, what about the last dish?
1: And the last dish is from Lyon, my hometown, where I learned to make my first apple tart in a restaurant because my mother knew how to make apple tart until I went to this apprenticeship. And at 14, the first thing I did was to make an apple tart. And uh, this apple tart is very simple, but to me is the most delicious. You take a, a, a puff pastry, right, and easy to find in the store, uh-huh. and you make sure that it's not too thick. It's about, uh, about I would say, uh, one-eighth of an inch. Usually when you put it between your finger, you it almost is as thick as a piece of leather, basically, uh-huh. a normal piece of leather. So you feel it like that and roll it. And then you, you, you create a large circle. So it depends how many you are at the table. But let's say you do a 12-inch circle, and a 12 or 16-inch circle. And then you brush the border of that circle of puff pastry. About uh, two inch uh, in with egg wash, and you brush the, the, a ring of that on the outside, and then after with your finger between your thumb and your index, you take the dough and you pinch it, and you basically you leave the tongue on the corner, and you roll your index over taking the dough. So now it's gonna make a little border to your dough, so and you're you go
0: fluting it, fluting sort while of, I'm but you're making a raised border.
1: Exactly. All around. Then you finish with a little bit of egg wash around. And then, of course, your apple has been peeled already, Mm -hmm. and they have been split and core, and they are ready to be sliced. Or you can slice them ahead before you do your puff pastry. But when you slice them, it's important to slice them on the board and to keep them together. So what you do is you take a... um, a uh, kitchen, a small, tiny kitchen knife. You mm-hmm. call that a prep knife? Uh, how do we call those? Uh, a
0: paring knife.
1: A paring knife. Pairing knife. Right. So we take a paring knife, and you slide the paring knife on the board holding the, ha- the half apple. So this way, you, you, by the time you finish slicing that apple, and they don't have to be super thin, but by the time you finish slicing this apple, it's still together. And you have all your apple slices, and now you start to lay the layers. So you go and make a ring of apple on the outside, uh, on, on the on the outside of the dough. Um, not the outside, but on the um,
0: near the the, the near the rimmer, near, near the rim-er. rim. against
1: right. the rim, actually against so the rim. you're fanning You're fanning the apple all around, closing the fan. Then you are putting the little pieces from the front and the The, back of the apple, the the, smaller pieces. The smaller pieces, you put them in the middle. And then you fill you fill in the middle with all the small pieces from each apple you sliced. Mm -hmm. And so now you have an even layer between the side and the middle. Mm -hmm. Then you start another ring of apple over those um, overlapping the first ring. Uh-huh. You, you start another ring of fan apple over in a smaller circle. Then you fill the middle. And then you start another closing ring. So you're ring. making a pyramid. A pyramid of sliced fan apple and all that. And then after you put nuggets of butter uh, all over nicely, evenly. And you put tablespoons of sugar. You basically cover with sugars mm-hmm. on top. And then you bake that in the oven for at least... So you want to make sure that the oven is about at 325, 350 mm-hmm. at the beginning. But as soon as it gets a little bit of color, you slow down the oven uh, a little bit to 300. But you you let it cook f- until the apples have evaporated, cooked down, and, and basically created... Um, uh, because the apple will definitely cook, dry, evaporate, right. and, 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 and come down. So that pyramid is becoming flatter. But the sugar is caramelizing, uh-huh. and the puff, puff pastry is crystallizing around. And then after, you let it cool, and it's the most amazing sample apple pie yeah. you can make.
0: Puff pastry, apple, sugar, butter. Voilà. That's simple. But you have to build the pyramid.
1: Exactly. What carefully. kind of
0: apple do you like to use?
1: Uh, Well, it depends, but golden apple works very well. It's basic, maybe, but it works very well for that tart. It's a dry apple. Exactly. So it's not going
0: to get really juicy.
1: Exactly, because I wouldn't like to use a green apple, which is maybe a little too tart for that Uh process. Uh I use green apple for other things, like making juice and things.
0: Danielle, thank you. Great key three. Thank Thank you. you.
1: My pleasure, Lynn.
0: That was Chef Danielle Ballou in the kitchen of his restaurant, Danielle, in New York City. Now, one more thing about Danielle. No detail or courtesy was too small or beneath him. When he insisted we all relax over a meal together, it was still morning and the restaurant tables were bare. Danielle ignored all the helping hands around him, and as we talked, he unfurled a cloth over the table, set our places perfectly and he served us. Well, to listen to the rest of our conversation about his other key three recipes, braised beef with red wine and bacon, and a really clever caramelized apple tart, just go to the website, splendidtable.org.